What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mordcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, the Boston Celtics have come back from 0-3 down to tie the Eastern Conference final series against the Miami Heat, um, enforcing a Game 7, which will be tomorrow as of this recording. So the Nuggets do not know who they will be playing yet in the uh, in the finals. I'm I, This is eerily similar to what the Colorado Rockies faced in, uh, in 2007. Fortunately for the Denver Nuggets, the Nuggets are a much better team than those Rockies were. Um, but uh, it's led me to think of something that is uh, intrinsic to Nuggets history, one of the great lost series in Nuggets history, and that is the, the 2000, 2000, excuse me, 1994 second round series against the Utah Jazz in, uh, in what was in May of 1994. It was one of the, you know, one of the things that popped into my head is this, this was back in the day when they would have the occasional back-to-back game in the, in the playoffs. Can you imagine that now with the, you know, five day gap sometimes in the first round between like, between like uh, games three and four or games four and five. Um, but anyway, as, as everything reminds me of Nuggets history, I'm going to be talking about that, um, in just a second, but I want to kind of, before I get into this little discussion about the 94 Nuggets, um, I want to talk to you about the potential matchups that the Nuggets will be facing. Um, I'm going to be doing a preview once we know. Uh, I'm going to have special guests on to talk about about the uh, upcoming playoffs, or excuse me, upcoming finals. But um, right now you have a hot uh, Boston Celtics team against a plucky underdog uh, Miami Heat team. Um, last night was possibly, and I've seen a lot of basketball, possibly one of the worst played games I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I was telling, uh, my buddy, John Ekstrom about this. Um, and I think my, my friend JM too, about how, about this, you know, people misunderstand late nineties basketball. Uh, it was a rock fight, but in the nineties, everyone played that way. There were, there was no deviation. So every, ever, you know, you can complain about the style of the late nineties, but everyone played the same exact way. So the NBA, as as a, an executive once told me years ago, NBA conforms to its best players, and the and the best players in the late '90s, mid to late '90s, were all wings, um, and uh, uh, centers, and so the league played that way, um, and it was, you know, you can look back on these games and think, oh God, terrible basketball. Ugh, what were they doing? I, literally everyone played the same way. So it wasn't as if they, this was this big, you know, the playoffs would become this big surprise about, oh, suddenly teams can't hit shots or, you know, they're they're playing a bunch of mid-range or dumping into the post games. Honestly, everyone played the same way. You could not get away from that. The difference between those games and last night was it is almost impossible to play defense right now in the modern NBA. I've, I've talked about this over and over. And the offense, it's, it's encouraged that you you have are free and open space spacing, and um, you shoot a lot of threes. So the concept of offense and the freedom of offense has changed extremely significantly since 1998. So let's say. So, in with that in mind, what we saw last night was 
the worst of both teams. You saw a Miami team that couldn't hit a, a, a paint, a shot in the paint. They couldn't, it was, I've never seen anything like that in my life. They, they just could not hit a shot five feet away from the, the hoop. On the other hand, the Boston Celtics could not hit a three and it was just atrocious basketball, atrocious basketball. The ending of the game put lipstick on the pig um, because it seemed more exciting than the game actually was. I'm, I'm, I'll be, let me be the first to tell you folks, it was an awful basketball last night. It was just, just atrocious. And you contrast that with what the Nuggets, who played high-level competition, by the way, in the West, uh, be, in, specifically between the Suns and the, and the Lakers, you, you see the contrast between the two, and it is just night and day. And people say, well, this is what you get with good defense. Was it? Um what I saw from both Boston and Miami was just a shitload of missed shots. Duncan Robinson had two, two wide open layup, or excuse me, wide open uh, three point shots. And this guy has been killing it all series from the three. He had got, as, as what happened to Tom Watson in the 2009 British Open, he got the yips. And boy, that, that boy, just the, the, the lights, the lights got too bright for him there. Um, and you had Bam out of bio. I think he was what, three of 18 or something like that. Jimmy Butler until the very end could not hit a fucking shot. It was, it was awful. Um, Jason Tatum had 23 points in the uh, first half and then basically couldn't hit a shot until the very end of the game. I, I swear, I, I swear that yeah, it was just, it was it was, I said this on Twitter, but it was eye bleedingly bad basketball. And there's some consequences of what I, when, when people talk about the way the modern game is played, um, when you emphasize your game specifically on the, on the concept of make or miss. Okay. It's always a make or miss lead, but it's, but it can get extreme and and the extreme aspect of it is when everyone misses. Uh, I always think of that game in the playoffs. What was it? Game seven in two thousand eighteen, uh, Western Conference Finals, where the um, the Houston Rockets missed twenty seven straight threes. Um, I mean, could not hit a three point shot, and they refused to do anything else but to shoot threes. It was amazing they were even in that game. Um, and it's those kinds of things that that's like where it becomes this the, our concept of offensive basketball is 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 has changed significantly. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Watching this game, it occurred to me that the Denver Nuggets and the way they play will be a problem for both of these teams because the the, the Nuggets, regardless of where they're at, they generate good shots, and when they need to be lifted out of ruts, you have Nikola Jokic getting his. And I really think that is what separates the Denver Nuggets from these other teams that you've seen. Um, Jokic is intrinsically able to get a good shot for him. And what I'm, what I saw in watching the heat and the Celtics last night were teams that were getting shots they wanted, but they weren't necessarily shots. They, they could hit. And it was, it was, it was weird because the Celtics are, are 100% uh, the, uh, the example of make or miss. Um, if they don't hit their threes, 
they ain't winning games. And, and last night was an anomaly. Generally, if they if they are making their three-point shots, they win games. Their entire concept of offense is based on hitting three-point shots, generating three-point shots, and getting there. The, what What's the problem has been with the Miami Heat is that outside of Jimmy Butler hitting tough shots, and that's really what it is, is tough shots that he is forced to take. There's, I mean, this is where they miss Tyler Hero. Is Hero at least, you know, he's not the greatest defensive player, but at least him hitting some shots frees up Jimmy Butler to do other things. Um with with him not in there, they have really no other traditionally viable offensive threat. Caleb Martin has been hitting some shots. Vincent has been hitting some shots. But you can't rely on those guys who are glorified role players to step up like that. And this is what Miami has been relying on. Look, Miami may win Game 7. Not, these two teams aren't exactly um, acquitting themselves on on a on a tremendous level here. Neither team came can come away from the game that was played last night and think, yeah, I, I, this is this is gonna we're championship team now. This is this is the this is what it means to be a championship team. What we saw was awful basketball for ninety eight percent of the game. And you had some tremendous uh, shot making and Derek White, Colorado's own Derek White, hitting, getting the the quickest of of putback opportunities ever to save Boston's season, and that was right after uh, Al Horford commits the 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 dumbest foul I think I have ever seen in my life on uh, Jimmy Butler on the corner three. Um, I think that the, you know you you. And like he should think he should be thanking Derek White for right now, like this very moment for saving his ass. <laughs> That's basically what I'm saying. But looking at these two teams, I'm if you're if you're the Denver Nuggets, you just do what you do. And I and I think there are teams where you think, okay, I'm gonna have to go outside. We're gonna have to think outside the box. We're gonna have to do other things. If you're the Denver Nuggets, looking at this series, you think we just gotta do what we do. Um, the, the, the Celtics have probably a more Jokic counters, the, uh, um, very specifically with Robert Williams and, you know, they would probably put Grant Williams and that's what they used to do before they put Grant Williams on, on Jokic and put, and allow Robert Williams to roam, protect the paint, do the Anthony Davis, uh, and uh, Rory Hachimura thing. Um, they're probably better equipped to do that sort of thing than the Miami Heat, who really just have Bam Adebayo. Um, but the Heat have better perimeter defenders, and they have a probably will throw more zone scheme at you. But not probably, definitely will throw more zone scheme at you. So obviously, that's gonna that's those are both different kinds of approaches and different kinds of challenges that you would face. But if if you're if you're the Denver Nuggets, you think we just got to do what we got to do. Both of these teams are struggling to do quintessential things in their offenses, and I think I think that part, if you're looking at it from the Denver Nuggets perspective, you're thinking, okay, whether it's Boston, where you have to go to Boston to start, they have the home court advantage, or you uh, play the Miami Heat, where the Nuggets would have the advantage, you just gotta do what you got to do, and take care of your own business. 
like I said, if this was maybe Milwaukee, you would have to get creative. If this was Philly, you would have to adjust for Embiid roaming uh, and them putting P.J. Tucker on them. But you don't have to worry about that. This is a completely different set of circumstances, and the Nuggets have been able to handle most of these challenges really well. I'm going to get more in-depth on that once we know exactly who the Nuggets will be playing. We don't know at this point, so, you know, it's up in the air. But we shall see after uh, Monday, Memorial Day, which is game one, we'll see how each team uh, handles this, how they approach it. And I'm going to be previewing, uh, these, the, the, uh, finals once we know, uh, so that will be Tuesday and I'll have a special guest on to help me preview. All right. Before I get to some hist a history lesson, I want to talk to you about Blanchard family wines located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always on online at bfwcolorado.com. They got a location in Fort Collins. They got one in the dairy block and they also got one in Sonoma County, California, in case you ever find yourself out there. Uh, they got reds, they got whites, they got Rieslings, they got, uh, rosés, they got, uh, everything you need in your local wine bar. Uh, I, I suggest you check out their Pinot. It's really good. Uh, check out their Cab. It's also really good. Um, their 2017 Cabernet was probably the best one I've ever had, but the, their new varietals are, are very good too. But they, you know, if you're, if that's not your thing, they will help you out. And they're, 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 the people there are great at guiding you through what your taste is and they will help you out. And it's just, it's a great place to hang out. If you just want to just hang, uh, I've said, I've said this before, you can do it, go there like before dinner, you can go there after dinner, um, go there before a Rockies game. Um, anything you really need, cause it's a really fantastic place to hang out and just enjoy company with friends. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. The 1994 Denver Nuggets. Of course, you're saying, Jeff, everything in your life comes back to the 1994 Denver Nuggets. You're right. But I, one of the things that has really occurred to me and with Boston coming back from now, the, the, the difference between Boston and the, all the other teams that have had to come back from three Oh down was, uh, is they have the home court advantage. Um, but one of the, I'm going to by the end of this, I'm going to get to a point that, which I think every one of these teams including the Boston Celtics will need to deal with. Um, but it's, you know, the 1994 Nuggets, it's very interesting. It's one of the great lost series in Nuggets history. You don't, um, it is hard for people to really put into con, uh, a, a, a really modern concept of what that series was like, because it is overwhelmed by the first round series where the Nuggets beat the Sonics. Um, if the Nuggets had pulled off that comeback from 03 down, it would have been the greatest series in Nuggets history. Um, as it was, it, every single game was competitive. 
Um, it was like every game that the Nuggets played with the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz of the of the mid '90s were better than the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets were a team on the rise, but the Utah had been doing it for a while, and uh, they had just been getting on the doorstep and getting beaten by Seattle. They've been getting beaten by the Phoenix Suns. This uh, Utah Jazz, I think in 1994, they got beat by the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. And it's just a team that just could never get over the hump until about 97, 98, obviously. And, uh, but these, if you look at the series and you look back at it, every game, the, the largest margin was 10 point difference in each of these games. Um, the Nuggets were, weren't able to match up in the first two games. The, the pivotal game, because it, it, that caused this, and that we may have looked at the series differently, was Game 3. Game 3 was, this, was the game in overtime where Jeff Hornacek, with about minute, a minute and a half left, I think. I'm, I'm going right off the top of my head. I don't remember exactly, but it's about a minute and a half left. Jeff Hornacek hit a three-point shot that put them up by three. His foot was on the line. They called it a three, so... Whatever. Um, but this is after Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf had hit a last-second shot to, to, to put the game into uh, overtime. Uh, I think it was, they were tied at 98. So with about a minute, um, minute and a half left in overtime, Jeff Hornacek hits this shot, right? After setting illegal screen after illegal screen after dirty screen. The, you know, the, the typical Utah Jazz experience. And... That was the shot, the shot of the series. Yes, the Nuggets tied it at three games apiece. If the Nuggets win that game, they win the series, period. The Nuggets had just had this thing about them that year. And that is the game, that is the key pivot point in Nuggets history, in my view. That is the key pivot point in Nuggets history because they would have faced the Houston Rockets in the next round. And the Nuggets had the Rockets number that year. And there ain't no way that Houston Rockets team wanted to face these Denver Nuggets. Here's some context here, people. The Nuggets of 1993-94 were a... They weren't what you would call a slow-it-down team, but they were a defensive team. They, they, they This is a team that had everything run through Dikembe Mutombo on defense. And one of the brilliant things Dan Issel did, one of the brilliant things Dan Issel did was his... Uh, was um, Mutombo's rookie season was spent with Paul Westhead, and Westhead tried to turn him into David Robinson. Um, and that was never going to be Dikembe Mutombo. Mutombo was a defensive stalwart. And in 92-93, Issel changed that. Issel said, no, we want you to be our anchor on defense. Everything, our whole concept of our team is going to be through Dikembe Mutombo. And your defensive approach is going to be the reason that we will, you are our best player, but you're going to be the best defensive player and Matumbo his presence in the Seattle series was, was amazing and even in the, against Utah Utah's entire game plan by the time you get to game six and game seven was to get Matumbo into foul trouble you know it's kind of like what the Lakers were doing against uh um 
uh, Nikola Jokic in games three and four of this last series. But anyway, game three was the pivot point because Hornacek hits this shot. And of course, you know, it, it, the Nuggets end up losing by, I think it was two. Um, the next game, which was the next day, by the way, <laughs> once again, this was the playoffs in 1993, 94, they would have back-to-back games. The, it was another nip-tuck game down the stretch and Reggie Williams hit some huge clutch free throws. And it's kind of the same concept as the uh, Boston Celtics saying, don't give us one. Because what happened was the next game, they went to Utah and the Nuggets just fought and fought and fought and fought. This game is on YouTube. You can find it somewhere. The Nuggets fought and fought, took every single blow that Utah had to offer. Just every single one. Every time, every time the the Jazz would punch, the Nuggets would punch back, and you could see by the end of uh, regulation, and it was a double overtime game. But by the end of regulation, the 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 Jazz were gassed because the Nuggets just would not go away, and they had to kept had to keep expending more and more and more energy. So you get to double overtime by double overtime Malone had fouled out I think Tom Chambers was having to play center and uh, by that point Tom Chambers was 900 years old and uh, it just you know the Nuggets really took their blows game six I was at and the loudest noise I've ever heard at any sporting event in my life was game six fourth quarter um, Brian Williams gets a fast break pass from Robert Pack and does a left-handed dunk on the break. And that cheer at that point, and McNichols was a loud arena, um, really loud and uh, louder than far louder than ball arena. Um, and it just like it was ear bleedingly in ear jump eardrum popping like ridiculously loud left-handed dunk read um by Brian Williams uh the the heart and soul of the Nuggets second unit Brian Williams um along with Robert Peck and it was like oh my god and that was a moment that was one of those moments where I was like oh my god the Nuggets are going to do this because the Nuggets had come back the Nuggets were down by seven points going into the fourth quarter of that game. And, you know, people are probably thinking, okay, this is where the Nuggets go away. And the Nuggets just start clawing back and and the Jazz, and this is the underrated thing about the 93-94 Nuggets, is they were really good defensively. And when they locked down, they locked down. The Jazz did not hit a field goal, I don't think, until five minutes remaining in the fourth quarter it was one of those 90s slog it out i think the nuggets won 94 91 i think it was one of those sloggy 90s tough games and people have talked about the aesthetic of 90s basketball and how angsty it was i try to i try to tell people it's like some of these games where you just like they were so tense and they were so tense that you were just like you could you, you would have to it's like the concept of like balling your fists up and 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 gritting your teeth through like the second half of a game because it was tough 
shots were hard to come by, all this shit. And the the Nuggets were just on a roll. They were just on a roll. I've never seen I've never seen anything like that. That fourth quarter of that game was 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 tremendous. My I, I, I had been there's you can find the second half of that game in highlight form on YouTube. It's one of those games where you just like it, it was there was a euphoria and like that crowd was nuts. There was crowd was nuts. Nuggets end up winning that game. 94-91. Jeff Hornacek or or John Stockton missed a wide open three, I remember. And uh, it, it was, I'm trying to remember who it was, but one of those guys, it was just a wide open three-point shot that would have won the, uh, or tied the game. Um, then you get to game seven. And this is one of those things that I'm kind of trying to translate this to the series that's going on right now with Boston and Miami. The reason why it's hard to make history with these sort of things is regardless of whether you have home court advantage or you don't, you expend so much energy coming back that sometimes you suddenly run out of gas. And in, in game seven, 1994, second round, you could see physically the Nuggets losing just the energy. You could you could see it happen. The Nuggets had been coming back over and over and over and over that playoffs. And by the time you get to Game 7, particularly in the second half, you could just see the Nuggets trying to do what they always did. And they just, their energy was just sapped. And they end up losing the game by 10. So it was it was a typical within 10 margin that entire series re- resided in. And you could see by the end the Nuggets had just lost. I think they, had, they went down in the fourth by like 14, 15 at one point. And you could see the Nuggets were just doing what they always do. They were trying to muster up the energy to keep going, keep going, keep going. It's hard to win four games in a row when you're down against the same opponent when you're down by three games already. It really is. There's a reason this has never happened before. The mental and physical energy that it takes to win these things is just excruciating. And I think this is one of the underestimated things about about coming back from 0-3 down. You can see with the, with the 94 Nuggets how they had just, the, the it's particularly the mental energy that they had expended coming back from all these deficits and, and defying the odds against teams that were legitimately better than them. Uh, I don't think the the Jazz were as better than them as the Sonics were. The Sonics had the best record in the entire league. Um, the Jazz, this was actually, this series was typical of, that series was typical of the games they played uh, uh, all, all year. They, they were all close. They were all, and that, that was the year of the Rodney Rogers three, three, three pointers in eight seconds game. Um, so the Nuggets end, end up falling in uh, by, I think it was 91-81. They end up losing the game. And 
it was it just ended what it should have been more than a footnote the nuggets what they did coming from you know reggie williams hitting clutch free throws in game four to uh, the nuggets really taking some of the best shots the jazz had to offer in game five and get, winning a double overtime game to that ear eardrum poppingly loud moment in game game six where the nuggets came back from seven down to win the game uh, on the back of great defense. It, it just, all of that, it was just, it, it was just hard to, hard to, to translate that Nuggets team believed, believed, and they believed in Dan Issel. Um, that was the right coach for the right team at the right time. You know, Dan Issel wasn't a good coach the second time he coached the Nuggets, but right then that Nuggets team Dan Issel was the best coach they could possibly have. And this Nuggets team just just ran out of gas emotionally, physically, everything. You could see it. You could see the life force getting getting drained as they were trying desperately to overcome these deficits over and over and over. And they just finally couldn't do it. It's a hard thing to do. So the thing to work out for in this Boston Heat game and game seven on, on Memorial Day is, you know, see how much mental and physical energy this Boston team has. See how much the, the Heat have because coming as an 8-8 eight, eight seed coming into this. It's going to be fascinating to watch this as much as these teams aren't exactly lighting the world on fire. It's going to be interesting to see what they do and what they come up with. And uh, yeah, 94 Nuggets, man, the great lost series in Nuggets history that uh, I suggest. I mean, I wish the NBA would put out some highlights, maybe some put out some games on their, on their channel of that series. Every single game was just tense. And, oh, my God. Anyway, all right. Thank you all for joining me in the latest more casting. We'll be back on Tuesday with a finals preview with a special guest. Goodbye. Goodbye.